actions and attitudes. Leaning on our own understanding and not God's. And certainly not trying to understand from the other person's perspective what is going on. Why do we so easily forget that something that can appear so true and yet there can be more to it? We often miss the big picture, the context of what's really going on that could help us to know whether it's really worth fighting over. Fortunately, that delegation they sent to find peace did not stop their search for the truth and for peace. They didn't just turn around and go back home. Love meant that they had to seek out the truth before they battled it out. Think about it this way. Have you ever said or did something that was taken wrong? You, you can put your hands up wherever you're at. Uh, there you go. Uh, you know, maybe even you weren't as clear in the way that you said it, or perhaps just they heard it in a way that was completely different than what you actually said, let alone what you actually meant. So many times when the truth is nothing was wrong, but because of a misunderstanding or a miscommunication, things became wrong between you and another person. It's possible that what we've saw and what we heard may have been partly true, but if we knew the whole story, if we knew the whole truth, it would change how we think about it and how we deal with that person that we're having a problem with. Let's take an example. I'll give you an example of uh, preschooler big brother Billy, all right? And big brother Billy, whose parents just saw him push his little toddler sister Sally to the ground. You can picture it, right? They turn around the corner and they see Billy pushing Sally. Well, justice is going to be swift against Johnny because the parent very clearly saw Sally getting knocked to the ground. But is there more is there more to the truth of this whole situation? And as an older brother of two sisters, I can clearly attest that there is often more. I just want you to know that. You see, what Johnny's parents didn't see was little Sally torturing Johnny, poking him, hitting him with a metal toy on the head, biting his arm, all the while kept telling her to stop it, and he kept moving away from her, until finally she grabbed a hold of his hair with both hands and was pulling it as hard as she could. And when he couldn't take the pain any longer, he reaches up and tries to pull her hands away, push her hands away as she's pulling. And in a moment, it all lets go and she goes flying backwards, which is exactly when the parents enter the room. Now, I'm not justifying that Johnny was always innocent, nor that he had the right to strike back in that way to push Sally. But it puts a whole new spin on what was taking place to get to the whole truth as you deal with Johnny. Because we miss, without the whole truth, we will think this is just a picture of a mean big brother bullying this poor little helpless girl. 
versus the truth that he was trying to deal, even if inappropriately, with the pain that he was experiencing by protecting himself. Now, I know there are those who do not realize how strong a little child's grasp can be and would just say, you know what, Johnny just needs to man up, right? Johnny just needs to take it. She can't be hurting him that bad. Except in dealing with the whole truth, you're going to give Johnny the opportunity to speak. And Johnny says, well, if she didn't hurt me, then just look at her hands. And there's little Sally with clumps of hair in both hands that have been pulled out from the roots of Johnny's head. By the way, again, just kind of a for your information... I was born with a full set of hair. Just saying. You know, it makes a difference. Sometimes there is more than what you see and what you hear, and we need to talk it out to find out the whole truth. It may not change whether something is right or wrong, but it may change how we deal with a person in a different light. On whether we bring the hammer down on Johnny or whether we try to help Johnny to deal with Sally in the future in a better way. As well as helping Johnny to know that he is just as important to you as a parent. That he is heard. And that he's not the one to blame for everything, nor is he some terrible, horrible person. Knowing the whole truth versus what looks true helps to define the conflict even to decide whether it is really worth fighting about. But let's have a love that sees beyond what looks true. But also, let's move on. To have a love that seeks to come through. A love that seeks to come through even in times of conflict. You know, we could stop conflict before it ever gets rolling by responding in love and a love that rejoices in the truth by going to the person that we have a problem with instead of just reacting to what we think we see and hear is true and then filling in the blanks with our own judgmental attitude acting like somehow we are the all-knowing omniscient God who knows exactly what's in that person's head and in that person's heart oh I know exactly what they're thinking but we don't without actually sitting down and talking with that person I know there are those out there that are the don't confuse me with the facts kind of people who are wise in their own eyes that yet the Bible calls fools. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, to answer before listening, that is his folly and shame. That's Proverbs 18, verse 13, to answer before listening, that is his folly and shame. Let's not respond before we know the whole truth. There is a difference between reacting to what we think is true and responding to the whole truth. You know, Phineas, as we look here at our passage, Phineas was a unique choice to lead this delegation. He was respected, not just because he was the high priest's son, but it seems that he was able to recognize that truth and love are two sides of the same coins and not two ends of the spectrum. 
And sometimes that's how we think about it. It's like you got the people who are for truth over here. You got the people for love over here. And the reality is it's two sides of the same coin here. Now, uh, please understand, as Finnish is going there, he's not the person that's, you know, like all lovey-dovey and, you know, like, hey, you know, you know, he meets the two and a half tries, peace, man. How you doing? You know, can't we all just like get along? You know, this is not Phineas. We need to understand this, who, who it is that was sent here. In fact, what he was famous for was stopping the plague as it dealt with the Baal of Peor worship. And he mentions that in verse 17. Look at verse 17 in our passage in Joshua 22. Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. He could say that because he was there. He knows what took place. In fact, turn with me, keep your finger there in Joshua 22, but turn back to Numbers chapter 25, and let's just look at this and see what took place here. In Numbers chapter 25, in verse 1, when Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. And so Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. It talks about what to do there. Let's go on to verse 6. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of the Lord and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now God had already said what to do in case you didn't catch that. In verse 5, each of you must put to death those who are worshiping Baal of Pure. And so here we are now in verse 7. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this. He left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent, and he drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body, and then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. This is the man they sent to go bring the peace. And I can wishy-washy about the truth. And yet, while he was a defender of truth, he was also in this instance a defender of love. Because if he didn't do anything, because nobody else was stepping up, if he didn't do anything, the plague was going to continue to kill thousands and thousands of them. Phineas understood. And he had a level enough head to be able to follow through on what was right with God. The God who he knew was not just a God of righteousness, but a God of loving kindness. You see, he knew this God of love in the Old Testament, so to speak, not that he would have had the thinking this way, but to understand that this, the, the God of love in the Old Testament is the same God of love in the New Testament. There is no difference. Look at verse 15 in our passage back in Joshua 22. When they went to Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, so they gathered together, the two sides sit down and talk. Now, 
as we're going to look at what's happening here, it's not perfect example of how it should go, but it is a good example of giving it a go. It's good to follow some biblical principles as we go and talk with someone. One of those biblical principles, as it might be in this case, at least so it seemed, would be Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let me read that for you. Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Phineas and the gang weren't exactly gentle here. In fact, as we're going to read it's kind of like taking the two by four up the head and saying what were you thinking i got that's kind of the impression i get here that is usually not the best way to get a response that you're looking for to bring about peace we need to not only think about what words we are using when we talk with someone but how we are communicating with them, with the tone of voice, with our body actions. You know, if it's like you get your arms folded and a scowl on your face, I don't know if you can see that from here, but, you know, it's like, why did you do that? Why? Versus, why, why did you do that? Help me understand. There's a big difference there. And so the question is not, have you gone? And so the question is not, have you gone to someone that you are in conflict with, as God's word says? But how are you going to them? Not just, oh, I did it. No, how are you doing it? And someone would say, well, uh, I went to talk to them. I did. <laughs> and it didn't take long before I had heard quite enough. Of course, the first question really is then, did you go talk to them seeking the truth in love or did you just go fight with them? What just happened? And not listen to try to hear the whole truth and understand where they're coming from. Or was the focus more on confronting and accusing them? Again, Proverbs has wisdom for us. Proverbs 18, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. If you didn't catch that, let me repeat it. Proverbs 8, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. It's hard to have peace talks with someone who won't listen to actually understand. We don't have to agree with them, but we need to understand. And the way that you know that you understand what they're saying is that you were able to say it right back to them. So what you're saying, and to say it in such a way that says, you got it, you got exactly. So as we listen to Phineas and the group talk here, look at verse 16. The whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell upon the whole community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow we'll be angry with the whole community of Israel. Now, somebody may be like, I'm not sure I'm hearing the love there. I mean, yeah, rebellion, but 
it is there. Listen. Listen to verse 19. If the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and share the land with us. Do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves other than the altar the Lord your the altar of the Lord your God. You see there was a concern. And sometimes maybe they didn't say it quite the right way. But there was a concern that they were rebelling against the Lord and what that would mean for them. Uh, But in getting to the whole truth of of this, you understand the whole truth of where those who would come at them were coming from was one of love. A love that really looks to see this through. And so Phineas, what he does here in verse 19, instead of extending the sword which they were so ready to do, instead of extending the sword, he extends an olive branch, so to speak. And he tries to give the two and a half tribes a way out, a way to deal with this that doesn't have to involve war. As well, a way for them to be right with God and to be right with their brother Israelites. Basically, Phineas is trying to say, hey, I get it. The land where you're at is defiled. It's not the promised land. And perhaps you feel like you're not under God's blessing because it's not holy ground where you're living across the river. But listen, building a holy altar to a holy God over there, that's not the solution. So, so why not come back over? Come back over to our side of the river where the tabernacle and the altar is, where God wanted us to be to begin with. Come on over. Come and be a part of us. Because you are a part of us. Be with us. This is love. This is not just a confrontation of truth. This is a communication of love. Because it is an incredibly gracious and generous offer. In the midst of the conflict, when everyone's feeling a little on edge, they're saying... Come on over and join us, even though all the other tribes have already split up the land, so to speak. They've gone to their place, kind of mapped out where they're going to settle in. And yet they're saying, we are willing to make room for you here in the promised land. They were willing to set aside not only their personal property, they were set aside their personal preferences, their personal feelings, any kind of selfishness like this land is my land and kind of thing, just to make it right with their brothers across the river to do whatever they could to make peace and at the same time hold on to truth. What are we willing to do for peace? But even more importantly, what are we willing to do to give up? What are we willing to give up for peace as it deals with our relationships? Love is always looking for ways to work out peace. Like our example here, We really think through our response on how do you help those who are in conflict and help deal with whatever the deeper problem is? How do you you help those people that you're in conflict with to get them back into the fold, back into the relationship? What kind of gesture, even tremendous gesture of love, can you make to bring peace not only to the problem but to the person? You know, the Bible talks about this, like 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. 
Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Or Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Knowing there is love that really comes through can make a difference. Because even though Phineas and the others had gotten it all wrong about what the whole truth was, they were trying. They were trying in love. There was a real concern, legitimately worried, that their brothers, these two and a half tribes, would be cut off from God. And I imagine because of this love, because of this offer, even though that's not what they wanted, that these two and a half tribes, we see, did not just flip out on Phineas. They didn't get all offended about how wrongly accused they were. Because there was a love that rejoices with the truth. It goes both ways. In fact, in part three next week, we're going to look at the rest of this chapter and see some incredible things that take place and putting some things with the past and the future here of the response of the two and a half tribes. But as we think this through, this is part of the key. You might be in a conflict with someone right now and and trying to decide whether this is really worth fighting over. Somewhere there needs to be that sense that you both know that you care and there's love. You know what? Let me just say, because I know this happens with uh, kids and parents so often, even teenagers. They just feel like this is totally ridiculous and my parent is some alien took their brain i don't know uh of course that's really not that funny because that's what parents sometimes think about their teens i know but the reality is even though they seem to be just way out there and and it doesn't make any sense hear the love and for parents speak the love that comes in truth. You know, so if someone comes complaining, or, or excuse me, I shouldn't say complaining, if someone comes share to share with you about a problem that they have with someone else, it's a biblically appropriate to ask, so have you talked with them about this? Just like it says in Matthew 18. And do you know for certain what the whole truth is that you're judging them, them on? Have you taken the opportunity to seek peace? Peace talks with them. Do you have a love that seeks out the whole truth before battling it out? And how have you demonstrated that love? You know, Joshua 22 is an example of people who came together in love and truth to deal with conflict. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of conflict. So many just kind of take the flight or or put it aside. Don't be afraid. Embrace conflict as an opportunity to glorify God, but also to grow closer to one another. Uh, Let us not forget in all of this what the goal is. This is not just talking with them so that we can justify going to war against them. We don't just find out the truth so that we can feel like, hey, well, I'm on the right side. Obviously, I found out the truth, so I'm on the right side. No. I mean, I know the sermon title, in a sense, the question is, is this really worth fighting about? But why are we fighting? 
What's the goal? What's the purpose to this whole lesson to decide about whether to fight or not? Because even if it is something that was totally worth fighting about, we need to make sure that we keep in mind the goal. The goal is not to fight. That's not the end. It's not about fighting one another. Because ultimately our battles are not against flesh and blood. But ultimately our goal, if we end up having conflict with one another, should be to get to the place where we are able to live in peace with everyone as far as it depends on us, as Romans 12 says. The goal of our fight in love should be to restore and reconcile the relationship. There's a sense that any fight ultimately is a fight for peace, not for who's right and who's wrong. First, for the good of God. Second, for the good of us. So as we close, we're going to ask the worship team to come. And this last song, let us be reminded that no matter what is happening, in part, especially how it relates to other people, you can be set free from the ways that you have just fallen into that same old cycle of arguing and fighting with your friends, with your family. You just kind of get sucked into that round and around. You don't have to. You can be set free from that. You may even feel like you just kind of got no choice. You're locked down and you're trapped there. But you're not just there with maybe people you're having problems with. You are there with the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And He has a power to set us free, to no longer be slaves to all of these things of the past and even the fighting that took place. He has the power to set us free to love, to have a love that rejoices with the truth. And even as we sing this song, whatever you may be going through at this time, may we recognize that we continue to walk by faith and not by fear. Father, lead us, guide us, Jesus, be in control. We submit to your Lordship. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and and fill us and empower us. To live for peace. Not just to keep the peace, but to make peace. That still holds high truth, but also holds high love. Lord, I pray that you would really help us to think through in our times whether something is really worth fighting, fighting about. Especially until we find out the whole truth. Lead us, guide us, move in us. Set us free. Set us free from the old ways of dealing with one another to something brand new. In your name we pray.